Good morning, all, and what is the one-year anniversary of me starting this podcast? I just actually went to check the date because I'm like, I think the one-year anniversary is coming up, and it just happens to be today on February 3rd. So a huge thank you to all the people that have been following this podcast and for your support. It's funny because I'm still getting emails from people that seem vaguely like they're trying to convince me to keep doing them, and I am going to keep doing them. Um, I really enjoy doing them. It's definitely found an audience, which I'm shocked at, and I've actually talked to some people who have contacted me to say they like the podcast and whatnot and explained that when I first started doing this, I honestly, in the back of my mind, didn't expect it to last too long. I didn't think I was going to find an audience. Uh, I have a lot going on with the website, which has kind of taken, it's been put on the back burner for the time being because YouTube has been kind of blowing up for me, which has been great. And again, the idea is just to get as much good information out there as possible. So whatever avenue or avenues I can use to get that that information out, I'm going to use. But uh, when I started the podcast, it was kind of an experiment to see you know, would people listen to it? And now I'm realizing that uh, there is definitely an audience out there. People are, you know, somebody contacted me the other day and said she was basically binge listening to podcasts. I didn't realize that was a thing. And again, when I started this, I made it very clear when I did my first one that I hadn't had a lot of experience with podcasts. I hadn't listened to a lot of them myself. I, mean, I think I listened to the Joe Rogan one every once in a while. I'm a big UFC fan. and But only here or there. My brother happens to work in landscaping and do things, out, works outside a lot and listens to podcasts all the time, has been trying to get me to listen to a bunch of them. He was one of the ones that convinced me that I should give this a shot. So here we are, and I think it's like 52 episodes in. I did miss one week, but the fact that I've managed to do this week after week after week is kind of huge for me. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, thing. Basically, what goes on in my house is I need quiet time to do this, and my house is a madhouse. So every once in a while, you hear dogs licking or clicking in the background, or one of my kids opening up Pop-Tarts. But usually what ends up happening is Billy, on Saturday morning, will go out shopping, which gives me time to kind of do these things. And I have to admit, I have a terrible time doing them when she's in the house. I just feel like such a dork talking to myself in front of the computer. I've tried to get over it, but last time I tried to do one, she was sitting in the other room. She was completely quiet, wasn't making fun of me or anything, but I just felt so self-conscious about it. So I have to wait till she's not in the house. Well, with the Super Bowl coming up, she did her shopping on Friday, unfortunately. So right now she's hiding upstairs. So a huge thank you to Billy that's uh, putting up with her husband's weird hobbies. Again, she's upstairs with her phone, putting away laundry and probably playing solitaire or something while she's waiting for me to get done. So this might be a little bit of a shorter one, but again, Super Bowl weekend's coming up. I have to make a run to the pet store to get rats for to feed my snakes later on. So a lot going on this day, but I didn't want to miss the anniversary of the first one. I thought that would be kind of ironic, for lack of a better term. If you know, yep, it's the, It was the anniversary last year, the second one I actually skipped. So here we are. So to kick this one off, I have a couple things to talk about. First off, I recently was contacted by Patricia Colley. I believe it's Colley. Patricia, if I pronounce, mispronounce your name, please correct me. Coley or Colley. But Patricia runs a website called Tarantula Haven, and recently she announced that she was going to start doing a magazine basically all about tarantulas, which I think is a really cool idea. There's not really anything like that out there. I was actually contacted not that long ago, maybe six months ago, by somebody else who was going to do one. I never heard back. Actually, if you're out there, please let me know. I'm still interested. But anyway, she was going to do a magazine on it, uh, basically a digital magazine, and when she posted up about starting it and basically soliciting articles and whatnot, my name came up. I saw that my post was linked or something on Facebook, and I agreed to do an article for it, which, because again, I, my whole goal is to get good tarantula information out there, and if there's a new venue for this, then I want to support it and get word out. So basically for this issue, I was writing an article on my Pisolotheria Metallica communal. It's all the whole 
issue is themed around Pieselotheria metallica. So all the articles, interviews, and whatnot in it have to deal with Pieselotheria metallica, except for, I believe, one, which is an interview with Petco, who does the YouTube channel The Dark Den, which a lot of people will find that very cool because he's, you know, huge, very widely known in the YouTube community. So anyway, the issue is out. I have not had a chance to go all the way through it yet. Uh, Patricia has asked for feedback and whatnot, and I will definitely offer feedback. I, I'm very protective of where my stuff appears only because my whole goal is to present the information, the most current information, and to be open-minded, but at the same time to make sure I'm not you know, producing misinformation. There's a lot of misinformation in the hobby and whatnot, so I'm always very protective of where my stuff ends up, only because if my name's in something and then somebody prints something that I think is complete bull, then it sends a bad message. Like, oh, Tom Moran's in this, so it must be good. But I, this sounds like a really cool endeavor. I'm kind of excited about it. The fact that it's all around Pieselotheria Metallica is really cool. I happen to just have started my commune and had some information I wanted to share. So what will happen is the, my article will appear in there, you know, exclusively for a while. So those who want to check it out can check out the magazine. And while we're here, I might as well flip through it. I will say, I'm going to hear a click here while I go through. My first impression or the layout, the layout is absolutely gorgeous. She did an absolutely beautiful job with the layout. Just lots of full color pictures. It's interactive. So in some of the pages, you can actually click and go to stores with the, to buy certain things that are mentioned. Or you can go to the YouTube channel channels, which is really cool. I know with my article, you can go and check out my YouTube channel, which I thought was awesome. But uh, just looking at the cover, Spinneret Issue 1 featured Pieselotheria Metallica, uh, Petco, the Dark Den Interview, Tom Moran's P. Metallica Commune, Behind the P. Metallica's Blue Hue. So a lot of different, it looks like a lot of different articles in it. So we're going to go ahead and go move in. It's 94 pages, which is pretty huge. That's a pretty hefty uh, size. We just have our introduction. So so obviously, just going through the table of contents, these are all going to be Pieselotheria Metallica-oriented articles. So the first one's the interview with the Dark Den. Next one's Pieselotheria Metallica, the Peacock Tarantula by a tarantula keeper and writer, Michael Thantis. Pieselotheria Metallica Care Tips. That should be interesting. I'll look up at that one. Uh, Pieselotheria Metallica Interview. Are we interviewing this? Uh, interview with Tarantula Keeper, Corey Fuller. Sorry about that. You got through me for a minute. Observations of Pieselotheria Metallica Commune. Oh, that's mine, obviously. Pieselotheria Metallica Sling Interview. Pieselotheria Metallica Sling Interview, which these are not interviews with actual spider slings. I just want to make that clear. That threw me for a minute. It's interviews with people who keep them. Featured artist, Grey Ghost Creations. I've actually seen some of her work, and it's exquisite, absolutely beautiful. And that's coming from somebody who's an artist and used to illustration. She just does, I think she has the coloring book out, if I'm not sure. Tarantula coloring, adult coloring book, which is really cool. Blue Tarantulas More Than Meets the Eye, Tarantula Community and Submissions, Revisions, Recent Changes in the Hobby. I'm assuming that does not go with uh, Pieselotheria Metallica because there haven't been any changes as far as that's concerned. Upcoming events, sources, and references. And again, just paging through this, you're going to hear a click, sorry, while I go through it. Just absolute love the layout. Just the layout's stunning. She did a beautiful job on it. Now again, I'm going to have to delve in and look into the information. And Again, not I, I don't want this to come across like... Like I'm some superior to everybody else with my care tips or whatnot. I'm not. I just had a discussion yesterday with a keeper about something that hopefully I'll be able to cover in the future that has kind of changed my way of looking at things. I I keep an open mind and whatnot. It's just I'm very careful with supporting certain things only because I want to make sure people are getting the best care possible. I get a lot of emails daily, day in, day out from people that have read something on a forum or in a book. 
or gotten information from pet stores that is flat out misinformation. It could be dangerous to keeping tarantulas. So I'm always very careful with, you know, what I support, what I put my name behind. But again, I think we're sorely lacking for something like this in the hobby of tarantula magazine. I think that obviously Patricia is very, very passionate about tarantulas. She's been around for a while. I think I met her originally on Tumblr. I used to do the whole Tumblr thing. Haven't been on that often now, but uh, back in the day, spent a lot of time on Tumblr. And she had a you know very successful Tumblr post there. And obviously somebody who cares about tarantulas. So I think this could really evolve into something cool. Now, I think the magazine retails for $4.50 or $5. I'm not sure. I will put a link in information in the description for this podcast, and it will also be on my Facebook page. I'll be promoting it. But again, she seems to be very, very open to feedback. So I have not gone through it. I can't critique it. I can't make any comments. I'm on P. Metallica Care Tips right now, but I'm not going to bother reading through this. I'll go through it afterwards because I'm, you know, how I am with the care stuff. But it, it looks like a very promising start. And again, this is the first issue, and she seems very open to feedback. So if I wouldn't implore people, check it out. We need something like this in the hobby. Check it out. See if it's something you'd be interested in. Tell her what, drop her a line. If you love it, let her know you love it. If you think there could be some changes, let her know. Again, she's seems to be a very genuinely into the hobby, a genuine open person, nice, very nice lady, a girl, whatever I know. She's probably much younger than me. And seems to really want to turn this into something huge. So let her know. She sounds like she'll be open to it. I'll be going through it. I'll be dropping her some hints, you know, some things that I find if I find anything. Maybe it's amazing cover to cover, in which case you'll hear congratulations continue. I will say that she is doing the next issue on Monocentropus Balfoury, which obviously is near and dear to my heart. And it sounds like I will be doing an article about that as well. So I'm, I'm committed to the first two issues at least, and we'll see how it goes from there. Again, it, for me, it's all about finding a good venue to get my information out there. But hopefully this turns into something as cool as it could be. So again, Patricia, thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this. I'm very excited about it. There's just beautiful. I'm staring at this layout for the P. Metallica care tips, just a beautiful picture of a P. Metallica on the right. Gorgeous layout. I'm sure the content will be just as good. And hopefully some of you guys will check it out. And please feel free to leave comments on my page as well, my Facebook page. If you pick up the magazines, uh, the magazine, let me know what you think about it. Um, again, obviously let Patricia know what you think about it. Good, bad, be polite, and uh, we'll take it from there, see where it goes. But uh, again, very excited about this, and hopefully some of you check it out. So up next, we're going to take another uh, view. I always want to say viewer because I'm so used to YouTube stuff, but another listener question. This one comes from Andy Anderson, and he asks how to select the proper enclosure enclosure size. Uh, this one I kind of waited on because there's no easy answer. And again, this is going to be, I always try to state when I think something's fact or a black and white issue and then try to point out when it's, you know, definitely a gray issue. Cage size is, will forever remain a gray issue. And so I'm not going to turn this into a debate about, you know, large enclosures versus smaller enclosures. I'm just going to give some rules of thumb that I use for setting up mine. And again, since I've gotten into the hobby, I've changed a lot of things I've done. I 
consider myself somebody who's open to, you know, looking at different perspectives, looking at different enclosure setups. One of the things I'm looking into doing now, which I've never dabbled in, is bioactive enclosures. I'm very interested in that. And I think for me, it's it's a natural progression of the hobby to now that I've got some spiders that I've kept for many years that are full adults, I want to display them in a way that um, kind of enhances their natural beauty. Plus, I've read a lot about bioactive substrates and such being healthier for as far as maintaining bacteria. And I think probably my next episode, I'm going to talk a bit about the age old, you know, rule with tarantulas that you don't need to clean them very often because I have some new thoughts on that as I've kept more and, and given more thought and talked to more people. So obviously there's a lot of gray area here, but just to to give you my take on and what I do as far as sizes. And again, this may change from person to person, depending on the type of closure. If you're going to do a bioactive enclosure, it behooves you sometimes to have much larger enclosures to permit room for plants and whatnot. Uh, right now, we're going to go with just what my collection is right now and what I choose to keep them in. And keep in mind that none of these that I'm about to say are set in stone or, you know, a golden rule. This is just what I use and it works for me. So to start off, generally speaking, there's a rule out there where a cage is size is supposed to be three to four times the size of the leg span of the spider or whatnot. And honestly, I, I never really went by that. I kind of play it more by eye. And I will say this is one of these things that as you evolve as a keeper, get more and more species because I think one thing that really needs to be mentioned when talking about enclosure size is that it's very much species dependent. You can't really just give an overall golden rule for tarantula cage sizes because it differs from species to species. So for example, let's take two arboreals. I'll start with a vicularia species. A vicularia I found in my experience or even carabina like carabina versicolor when you get them as small slings, I find they do better in smaller environments. They're less stressed. They make you want to give them something they can web to, and they'll eat a lot better than if you drop them immediately into your standard 32-ounce deli cup. That's something I've learned by keeping a few of these. Now, again, somebody might differ, but I've kept a few different ones, and I've found that they tend to settle in a lot quicker in a smaller area. Now, let's go with Pisolotheria. Get one, you know, similar size Pisolotheria species, and drop them in a 32-ounce deli cup, and they're usually fine. They burrow on the bottom. They hunt fine. I've never had any issues there. So there's an example of two, technically, so you can't even just categorize arboreal, terrestrial, or fossorial, two arboreal species that totally different setup requirements in my experience. Now, talking about terrestrials, we could take, say, an Afonopelma species, and we could take, I don't know, we'll go Firmictopus. They're always right on the, top, the tip of my tongue. Um, an Afonopelma species, they are going to take forever to grow. Um, I have little slings now that are definitely taking their time. I think they've molted twice since I've had them about a year and a half. They're still ultra tiny. Where in the same time, a Formictopus species is going to jump in size to a point where you can probably skip one of the cages that I'm about to mention. So again, it's very important to recognize you can't, you have to really look at the individual species, the growth rates. That's a big one. You have slow growing terrestrials. You have much faster growing terrestrials. You'll have slower growing arboreals, and conversely, you'll have the really fast growing ones. So that's always something to take into consideration. But here is generally my guidelines. And again, these are just rough estimates. I know somebody's going to like nitpick or go, well, what do you, does it have to be 2.5 quarts? Does it have to be like, no, just something around those sizes. So generally speaking for teeny tiny slings, we're talking slings less than a half inch. And I know a lot of people picture a half inch on a ruler. And I think a lot of them expect the tarantula to be much bigger. A half inch sling is quite tiny. And there's some that go down 
to, you know, even a quarter inch. I've heard of eighth inch slings. I've dealt with the jumping spiders before. Those were a nightmare because they were absolutely teeny tiny. But for slings that size for a slower growing species, so we're talking the Afonopelma, Brachypelma, um, some of the, you know, the Avicularia, Caribbean and stuff, I like to either start them in the vials, which the dram vials, or I like to use the little deli cups you can pick up, at the little souffle cups you can pick up at Walmart. You can get them in bags of like 30 or 50 or something. They're only a handful of dollars. Very cheap. Have them, you know, very easy to ventilate. Uh, you can have them on hand. But those work good for the teeny tiny ones because you're going to find with slings that small, they can very easily get lost in the enclosures. And it can be difficult trying to find them, trying to locate them, and there's nothing more nightmarish than dropping a teeny tiny sling in a big enclosure. I've done this before where I've dropped one in the standard 16-ounce deli cup, and you have no idea where that sling is. You can't tell if it's eating. You go to add water to make things moist, and you can't tell where the sling is. Did I just fill up its burrow? So I find that those little 2.2-ounce deli cups, I think they're 2 or 2.5, and then they make a slightly larger one, the 5-ounce, I think there are, 5.2 around there. They, they have lids. You'll see, you can find them at Walmart, but those work great for the really smaller slings, especially at boreals. You can use the larger one and kind of set up in the boreal setup with some plants and stuff. Those work great. Now, anything like, I would say three quarters of an inch to an inch around there, or inch 0.25, those, a terrestrial, I would start in the 16-ounce deli cup, something around that size. A boreal can be started in 32-ounce. Those are your standard enclosures. A lot of people in the hobby use them. They're easy to find. No, they're cheap, easy to find. They're easy to ventilate and make appropriate to use for tarantulas. But I don't start anything in 32-ounce ones unless it's a, a little bit larger as far as slings are concerned, something around 1.25. The I've dropped, I remember originally putting my Caribbean Versicolors in one, and I actually rehouse them within a week because it was just, they were swimming in it. And some of them will not come down to hunt. That's something people don't, you know, mention very often, or people will tell them that's not true. They always come down to hunt. Nope, that's not true. They won't always come down to hunt. Sometimes they'll web up real up high and they won't find the prey in the bottom. So again, really small slings, two to five ounce deli cups, or the vials work great. Larger slings, you can go to the, the standard 16 ounce deli cups to 32 ounce deli cups. Now, when to move them, the general rule of thumb, I look at when they hit around three inches or so, it's going to be a little cramped at that point, but usually that, you know, it's it's not terrible. They're not completely cramped. They're comfortable. You'll see, especially I'm thinking like my piece of species, I've dug some of those out of the 32 ounce deli cups. They're quite big, but they're comfortable. They're, the idea is not to stress the tarantula is, you know, any more than you have to. So right around the three inch mark, with a Pisolotherius species, I will move them to, if I'm going to do the middle one, I'm going to move them to something around one gallon size. I found that works great. They mainstay, I think, Walmart mainstay brand, whatever, makes those one-gallon clear jugs. They're fantastic for some of the arboreals. They're taller. They offer a decent amount of size. You can make a very attractive arboreal setup. So something around one-gallon size, usually for my faster-growing arboreals. For slower growing arboreals, they do make a two quart size the exact same way, the same brand that I've used before as well. So you're talking about depending on the species, something around two quarts to a gallon usually works great. And they make a lot of different uh, sterilite containers. You can find some acrylic containers around that size. 
I find that those work really well. So with the terrestrials, I mean, the boreals, you want to obviously want to give them height. With terrestrials, you want something, again, I use something around two quart size, but obviously it's going to have more floor space. But it's always important to keep in mind which species you're transferring because some of them will basically molt out within two molts and be too big for that enclosure. So we, I've, I've talked about before with some of my pokies and baboon species, faster growing baboon species especially, sometimes I skip over that middle one and go right toward an adult enclosure. So I may have, say I had my H. gigas, I believe, originally in 32-ounce deli cups and I didn't see them all that much at all. And by the time I finally was able to catch one out, I realized basically the spider was is is wide across as the container it was in. It, it was definitely too large for it. That I dropped right into its adult enclosure, which was about a six gallon sterilite container, which offered a lot of room for substrate. So again, play it by ear, play it by species. If you have a species and you're not sure about the growth rate or you know you want to plan ahead as far as what to put them in, then what I would do is go on and look up some information from people who have kept it and find out how fast they grow. What, what are you looking at? Like for myctopus, for example... A lot of people are surprised that they go from these little teeny tiny slings, three molts down the road, they're big, giant, hairy spiders. And that can be, you know, pretty tricky when doing rehousings because one minute you have it in a closure that seems to fit it fine. Next minute, you've got a large ornery spider that is too cramped and can become defensive because it's in an enclosure that's too small for it. So definitely check the species beforehand if you're getting a sling and kind of get an idea for what type of growth rate you're going to look for and then plan accordingly. Now, once they start to get to about, I, I usually look at three and a half inches or so, four inches. That's usually when I look to get them into their adult enclosures. Again, with the faster growing species, you can move them earlier. I just dropped a three and a half inch uh, formictibus species, as a matter of fact, into it what will be its adult enclosure because it's going to molt again pretty soon and it's going to be more than adequately large for that enclosure. But what we're looking for, most species do well in something four to five gallons. I know uh, the 10 gallon one is thrown around a lot and a lot of people say 10 gallon is like the standard. It's not. I believe the only reason it was considered a standard for some time is because people always have 10 gallon aquariums on hand. They're easy to come by. They're cheap. You go up, you know, walk down the go to your local Walmart right now or Petco and pick one up for relatively, you know, 10 bucks or so, very cheap. And I think a lot of people just use them because it was a standard size. But personally, I find that the five gallon ones are a little more appropriate, especially considering that if you put, say, a five or six inch spider in a 10 gallon aquarium, you're talking about putting about seven or eight inches of substrate in there, which makes it very heavy and unyieldly. And we just talked about, I just did a whole thing on acrylic enclosures and glass enclosures and whatnot. And that's, that's a concern when you have to, if you're one of those people that takes your enclosures out to put them on a table to feed, and I know a lot of us do, then you've, you've got to be moving those things around. They can get heavy and unwieldy. But a five-gallon one for most species is fine. And then if you're not planning on doing, like, say, a bioactive enclosure or something hugely decorated, if you're looking for something more stackable that, you know, gives them the appropriate amount of space to, you know, be comfortable in, but while at the same time not taking up a huge amount of room on the shelf, then some of those Sterilite containers, they make work perfectly. There's one that I use, I think they're called Sterilite Clear Views or something. They're, they're overall clear boxes. They are 15 quarts, which you might be saying, well, that's less than five gallons, but the floor space they offer is actually 
larger than those than the floor space offered by a five gallon aquarium. So your typical five gallon aquarium is about 16 by eight inches or so, which is about 128 square inches of floor space, while the clear views are 17 by 11 and an eighth, which gives you around 87 or so. I shaved the eighth off just to do the math. And a 10 gallon aquarium is about 200. So it's comparable. So it gives you a decent amount of floor space. I love these for some of my larger species, larger specimens, five, six, even seven inches if they're more leggy. The tropical specimens, I love using those for like for mixed and my Santa Catalina, I just moved into one from, originally had it in one of the uh, breeder boxes, but I, it, I wasn't able to maintain the humidity in it, so I moved it into one of these, but I like them because they're very easily ventilated with either a drill or a soldering iron. You can put as much ventilation as you need. You can pack in enough substrate for most adults. Now, again, if it's a burrowing adult, you're going to need something that offers a lot more room for substrate, but for terrestrials, these are great, and they look fairly attractive on a shelf. I'm not going to lie. They do have some of that milkiness that sterilite containers are known for, and I know some people absolutely abhor that, and I completely understand. For me, it's very they're transparent enough that I can see inside easily and offer enough floor room. So again, when we say five gallon, you don't necessarily need the depth a five gallon aquarium or acrylic tank would offer. And I want to go for more floor space. So that works great. Now, if you're dealing with one of the giants, you're going to want something more 10, 15 gallon size. Um, so for example, a Theraphosa species, I have them in something much bigger. I think the floor space on those is about 300 or 350 or so. They're, I, I want to say hefty makes them. They're big containers, take up a lot, of, offer a lot of floor space. I can put some plants in it. I have two water dishes. I have the big hide and this, it gives the spider plenty of room. I also have Pamphibedius get rather large as well. I have a Pamphibedius antinus female who's probably pushing around eight inches, seven and a half. Maybe she just molted again and she's got plenty of room to move. So, but for most species, terrestrial species that people are going to be keeping, something around the five gallon size, even four gallons, or one of the shorter clear view like sterilite containers that offer a lot of floor space compared to their height work great. So don't need to overdo it with a 10 gallon. Again, if you're going to decorate it and do it all out and do a bioactive enclosure or something with plants or a lot of fake foliage, whatever, obviously that's different. But for people that are just starting off in the hobby that haven't gotten into that stuff yet, something around that size works great. And then the same thing for most arboreals. I found that some of the smaller arboreals like a Vix and some of the Salmopia species do well in the Exoterra Nano Talls, which I think are around three and a half, four gallons. I could be wrong on that. They're, they're obviously smaller than a five gallon, but not by much, but they seem to, mine, or those species at least, all seem to hide. I catch them out at night kind of wandering around. But they're good for the smaller arboreals. Larger arboreals, I wouldn't keep a pokey in something that size. I did just pick up my first 12 by 12 by 12 Exoterra Nano Wide, I think they're called. And that's something that might be able to house a larger pokey. I've also used the Sterilite bins. I think they're around 32 quarts or so. They're rather large. I like things that I can work from the top, so these are nice. But now I'm starting to look into getting nice acrylics for some of them. So I would probably get something around the 5 to 10 gallon size, anywhere around there, depending on the size of the arboreal pokies, I'd probably lead toward, you know, not to get super specific, but something around 7, 8 gallons or so to 10 gallons for a, a pokey. But again, that's just my opinion. I want to make that very, very clear to everyone listening. So if, you've, if you're keeping it in something bigger and it's well decorated, again, perfect. This is just what works for me. So these are kind of just baselines. Feel free to use something larger if you wish. And I know some folks like to use Rob C, a popular YouTuber, takes the 10 gallons, sets them up vertically and does a beautiful job with creating like 
beautiful terrariums with basically putting a hinged door on the front using uh, plexiglass and then venting them. And those are gorgeous and a great way to alter a 10-gallon aquarium. I've seen other people that take the 10-gallon aquarium, stand them up, and actually drill holes in the side. There's a lot you can do with 10 gallons. So I'm not telling people not to use them. Just if you use them to be appropriate for most species, you're going to have to do some alterations. So whatever you use, here is just my standard again to go through because I know I just went through a lot of information there. For teeny tiny slings, and we'll start with terrestrials, it's a vial or a two ounce deli cup for the little teeny tiny ones, you know, a quarter of an inch to maybe a half an inch, anything 0.75, you know, three quarters of an inch to one inch and a quarter or so, those I can start in the 16 ounce deli cup. Then I usually go to something two quarts to a gallon size for a juvenile, depending on the species. And finally, they go into something around five gallons or so, or at least something that offers around five gallons worth of floor space. So again, those sterile containers. And that's sufficient for most of my terrestrials. As far as arboreals, again, I start the little ones in vials. The bigger ones, you can start in the 32-ounce deli cups. Then I move to something that's around a gallon. I do love those gallon mainstays. The only issue I have with them is they have the corners at the top, so when you're trying to get a spider out of them, they sometimes scrunch all up in the corner, and they're tough to get out of there. So I've kind of gone away from using those with pokies. The pokies, I generally wait till they hit about three and a half inches, and then I move them into an adult enclosure. And as far as an adult enclosure, again, usually something around four to five gallons is sufficient. The Exoterra Nanos talls, Exoterra Nano talls, can be great for smaller species of arboreals. I really like them for avicularia and stuff, although they don't necessarily offer that cross ventilation you want. But again, if you really want to get into it, you can get into drilling them, which is something I'm going to be looking at doing. And then for the fossorial species, again, smaller ones, probably about, I think it's a 5-ounce, 5.2, 5.5-ounce deli cup. They're a little deeper than the 2-ounce ones, but those are great because you can still keep track of them. Then into a 32-ounce if you'd like. A lot of them, the ones that are faster growing, you can probably get them right into something 5 gallons or more with some depth. If you want to do an in-between stage, again, something around a, you know 2 quarts to a gallon depending on the species. You want to give them room to burrow. They're going to need more deep substrate. So whatever container you're going to use has to allow for that. And I will say some of the acrylic ones that are offered, unfortunately, for you know the adult ones, the larger five-gallon acrylics, one of the issues I've had with them is the vent holes are usually so low that you can only pack in about three inches of dirt. I'm looking for ones where they put the vent holes a little larger. If I ever have ones designed for this, the vent holes will be around the top. And I do want to design something eventually specifically for my fossorial species so that I can actually see them and put enough substrate in that it's not all pouring out of the vent holes. So, Andy, that's that's basically what I do. Those are my kind of rules of thumb for what I do. Again, that's just me. I would encourage you to check with other keepers. You know, talk to some of the ones or read some of the ones that keep the bioactive enclosures. There's, uh, I personally prescribe to the idea that m- many species of tarantulas that we keep do very well in smaller spaces. Spaces they're secure, but that doesn't mean we cram them into something where basically they spread out take up the whole surface area of their aquarium. It's just a lot of the species I've kept, I found that the bigger the enclosure, if you give them a lot of extra room, some of them won't use it. I point to my Panthobedius uh, antinus female that I originally, she was getting big. I put her in a 
containers offered a lot of floor space. Now, granted, I did not put a lot of foliage in, and that's a big thing, too. If you give them a bigger enclosure, the trick is to give them a lot of foliage, Rather, either if you're doing a bioactive one, real plants. If you're not doing a bioactive one, a lot of fake plants so they can be secure and they will explore a little more. But my girl, I put her in there, and basically I had to move the water dish closer to her burrow because even when I would come down in the middle of the night, she'd just be sitting right in the mouth of her burrow. She wouldn't go out and explore all that much. So, again, part of it's to know your spider. If you have a spider that likes to roam around and explore, then they could probably use a little extra room. If you have one of the ones like an arboreal that just stays in its funnel web, so my piece of Lotharia just perch right on that cork bark or on the side of the container and don't really do all that much moving. My G. rosea is now going on 43 days without ever having budged. Uh, yes, she's alive. I'm pretty sure of it. But again, it's it's about knowing the species you have. So if you have one that's a little more active, then feel free to set up a beautiful enclosure, put some fake foliage in there, give them some room. If you have one that's basically a pet hole, you know, you're going to need depth, but you're not going to need as much, you know, surface area because they're not really going to come out and do all that much exploring. Or if you have one that you notice basically just sits in the mouth of its burrow, and I have a lot of those that don't really roam too far from the mouths of their burrow, then you might not need as much space. But again, I think part of the hobby and part of the, the selecting the idea of selecting the right quote-unquote cage size comes with experience. I think a lot of us start with one way. I know if you had asked me this question, say, six years ago, I might have given you a totally different answer, but I've kind of, you evolve as a hobbyist. You start recognizing that, all right, this worked great for five, you know, five of these species, but this one over here doesn't work so great for, and then you kind of make adjustments on the fly. But I will say, these sizes have worked great for me. I haven't had any issues with them, and then it's a matter of just tweaking the sizes for different species or recognizing those fast growers and maybe, you know, eliminating one of the transfers. Again, there's no transfers are stressful for both the keeper and the spider. So if you can get away with an extra transfer, that works great. And I usually get away with extra transfers right now with my Pisolotheria species. Again, I usually go right from the sling enclosure, a lot of times right into an adult enclosure now. That's been something I've changed the last couple of years. For Myctopus, kind of go they, they go from that juvenile stage to next thing you know, they almost look like adults. So, again, those are ones I can kind of fudge it and go into something larger. But, again, with experience will come, you know, you'll develop your own opinions. This is not the right way, and I want to make that very, very clear. This is just how I do it. And, obviously, there are other people that will chime in. They'll probably have other rules they go by, and they'll be just as correct as I am. All right, so that will about do it for this one. All right, I got a 32-minute one. 33, we're almost at now. Poor Billy's been upstairs the whole time probably playing solitaire or cursing me for my weird habits that make me so I have to exile her. So everybody, make sure you thank Billy for being the most understanding wife on the planet and giving me the time to do these because I don't know many wives that would be like, all right, I'm going to go hide in the bedroom while you do your geeky podcast. So I'm very fortunate there. So that'll do it for this one. Again, hopefully you guys check out the spinneret. Let me know how what you think of it. Let you know Patricia know what you think of it. Let's turn this into something cool. I think she's really open. This is She's just lighting the fire now. She's really open to turning this into something really cool. And you know, I'll be sharing my feedback with her as well. Beautiful magazine so far. Haven't delved into the content. Hopefully my article isn't boring as heck. You know, I've got to follow Petco there, so we'll see how that goes. Um, again, if you're just following me from the podcast, I do have a YouTube channel that you can find by looking up Tom Moran. I won't say that I had an old email associated with my YouTube account. Funny story, I opened up my 
first YouTube account to comment on some video years ago, and I used an old email for it, and now I can't get rid of that name. It's ridiculous. But uh, look up Tom Miranda, Tom's Big Spiders. I pop right up on YouTube. I have the Tom's Big Spiders website, which I'm developing a bunch of new articles for now. I'm going to try to really, I know I keep saying this, but it's, uh, it's just not enough time in the day, but I really have a bunch of articles I have to update. And as always, thanks so much for everyone that listened, and I'll catch you guys all next time.